KHP 003 Cemetery, Part 1 When you drive by a cemetery, do you ever stop and think how many bodies are actually there? Under the ground, preserved by chemicals and prevented from rotting? What about the ones that the mixture was just a little bit off and they are in a partial decomposition? How about the bodies that were buried just before the Civil War, when embalming methods were just in their infancy? Just bones and hair in the ground partially covered by worm-eaten, frayed clothing. If they were all dug up and laid out, how many bodies would there be? Some cemeteries near central Pennsylvania, where my story takes place, could range from hundreds, if not thousands of coffins, crypts, and urns, to only a single forgotten child's coffin in Peel, Pennsylvania. My name is Robert Butler, and I was a volunteer groundskeeper for the church I attended. I started groundskeeping for the church when I moved here in the late 70s. The church needed someone to do basic landscaping and lawn mowing around the properties. There's the main church, built in the 60s to replace the old church that resides across the road, surrounded by cemetery. The old church was built in the late 1890s and still stands perfectly fine today due to the constant upkeep by the eldest of the congregation. The new church is known as The Church to many people, and the original one is known as The Old Church, The First Church, or My Parents' Church to some of the oldest members. I was a high school teacher at the local school, so summers were mostly free for me. I wanted to make a good impression on the congregation, so I volunteered. All of the gas, equipment, and tools were provided. The church just needed someone to do the job. Every summer, and most of autumn for, I think, 39 years, I would be there at least two times a week. I treated it like it was my own lawn, and in some ways, after a short time, it kind of became my own. I quickly noticed strange things occurred around the cemetery if you weren't on your toes to react. This is the story of my first and second strange encounter in the cemetery. I'd work Friday afternoons mowing the main church lawn until it got dark, and then on Saturday morning I would start work in the cemetery. Whatever wasn't done Saturday by dinner was done after services Sunday. It was a moderate-sized graveyard, 932 graves over 3 acres when I started, with room to expand, 1,659 graves when I retired, with 7 total acres to expand into, because the church purchased farmland next to the cemetery in the mid-90s. When you mow and trim every plot in the cemetery 15 or more times a year for 40 years, you begin to count the graves out of boredom and monotony. It was summer of 1981. School had just let out for the year on a Wednesday, and I decided to get a head start on the cemetery that I had slightly fallen behind on. I hadn't let it go into disrepair or anything, but the grass around the graves themselves hadn't been trimmed and were looking pretty bad by my standards. The church was an hour's drive from the school, and working in the cemetery for a few hours would allow me to relax and think about some things going on in my life. Plus, I was almost guaranteed that no one would bother me there. For some reason, people have an aversion to going near anyone working in a graveyard. They almost seemed to avoid you, rarely making eye contact or anything. I had been trimming the high grass around the graves that could be seen from the main road, so motorists and churchgoers that drove by could see the graveyard was being kept up with. If I had to let some go until tomorrow, it would be stuff that couldn't be seen from the road. I learned quickly that, to the older folks in the church, keeping up appearances was everything to them. If they even got the slightest hint that the cemetery wasn't being kept up with, they would go to the church leader and complain. As I was working, I eventually noticed that the sky began to slowly change from a blue to a burning orange. I knew that it was going to get dark soon. I figured I could finish the row of graves I was currently on and call it a day. I'd done my thinking, come to my conclusions, and been satisfied. The cemetery that was visible from the road had been trimmed, so I didn't have to worry about anyone complaining for at least a week. I finished the row of graves and shut off my trimmer and began walking the roughly 500 feet back to the basement of the old church for storage. Anyway, it was just past that time when things start to lose their color, when everything slowly turns into grays and blacks, and it was getting hard to tell depth and distance. The shadows seemed to blend into everything around it. This time of day always made me slightly uneasy walking through the gravestones. 
I always got the feeling that someone would be standing behind one, ready to jump out at me, or that I would see someone standing in the distance that shouldn't be there. The worst thing, though, had to be the bells. People leave hanging chimes, bells, or whatever else thing that goes ringy-ding-ding in the slightest breeze, and it just adds to the creepy atmosphere that a graveyard gives off. Why would you even get those for a gravestone? The person under the grave isn't going to hear them. All you do is creep out and annoy the caretaker and other people visiting graves. I had made it to the old church and opened the basement door. The old wooden door that led to the cement staircase had flattened out, and another door that led to the basement itself. I walked down with the weed trimmer on my shoulder and secured it in its proper place. I turned to leave when my eye caught something. The dancing glow of a light flickered past the doorway where I had just come from. I searched around for a minute in my toolbox before pulling out the mag light I kept in there. I moved towards the doorway and up the stairs, peering around the corner towards the cemetery. I had seen a light, but not a flashlight. It seemed to be some sort of lantern due to how bright it was and how it seemed to be an actual flame casting the light. I had mentioned those chimes in the graveyard earlier. I didn't hear any of them ringing, though I could hear the trees beside the old church rustling as the wind crept through them. I walked through the cemetery after the lantern, preparing to tell whoever it was to come back in the morning because the cemetery closed at dusk. I saw the lantern stop near some stones in the middle of a row, the last row I had trimmed. I followed until I was about 50 feet away. I stopped and suddenly had a shiver of fear run through me. This entire time I had been following this light, I never realized that I never saw anyone holding it or blocking part of it as they walked. It was just a floating lantern. That realization almost made me choke on the air I was breathing. I began moving to the side to get a better look at the lantern and had to walk past a large cross monument someone placed on their family plot. As I did, and I swear to you this is what I saw, the lantern went from being a single, lit lantern sitting next to a gravestone to a host of people standing around the grave. There must have been a few dozen people dressed in suits and dresses, judging by their silhouettes, all dark colors that the light seemed unable to cut through. It wasn't like the light was just shining off their clothes. It was as if the clothes were absorbing all the light that touched them. The light only passed between their legs and out from the congregation on the bottom. I just stood there and watched silently, the wind slowly blowing behind me. I could hear whispers coming from the group. Small conversations carried on the breeze. I swear I even heard a few people crying. I just stood there in the middle of the rows for a few minutes before the group began dispersing. People all began walking in different directions, some deeper into the cemetery and some straight towards me. As they all came closer, I could see that they were in different stages of decomposition, and their clothes were all different amounts of rotten. After everyone had left, one person was left standing at the grave, illuminated by the lantern. An older gentleman that I actually recognized, Marshall Kephart. He was the old groundskeeper for the cemetery and died a few years ago. I remember seeing his pictures on the walls of the church. His clothes were in good shape, and his body seemed to be gaunt and sagging, his nose and lips slightly discolored, the rot from years of burial finally taking hold. He stood at the grave alone for a minute or two before bending down to pick up the lantern and leave. When he stood up, he began walking towards me. As he came a few feet from me, he stopped and looked directly into my eyes. The sunken in, clouded over orbs in his head that should hold no life still seemed to have some emotion in them. He smiled and spoke. In life, I was a caretaker for this place. In death, I am the one that guides the souls here to see the newly departed. He walked past me and towards the old church. I watched him go through the closed door into the basement and vanish. I walked to where the group had been standing, and there it was, the new grave for Lorraine Timchek. It was dug a few days ago and finally covered after her funeral two days ago. The group must have been holding their own funeral for her, people that knew her coming to see her, led and guided by the old caretaker. If I were to die and be buried here, would I become like Marshall, guiding the old dead to the new dead to mourn? I left the cemetery with a new respect for the property. The next time I worked on the cemetery, I found Marshall's lantern in the basement, sitting on a shelf in the back room. I pulled it out, 
polished the glass, refilled the kerosene, and cut a new wick for it. I wasn't sure if what I did in this realm affected what his lantern looked like in that realm, but if there was a chance, I was going to take it. My second story of the cemetery is not so wholesome or some great discovery like the first. It showed me that there is a dark side to the cemetery, and why the rules say, closed at dusk. It was a few months later, in fall. I was performing one of my last mows and trims of the season, and was raking leaves that had piled up on the back of the gravestones since the last time I had swept them away. I had just finished up the section I wanted for the day, and it was getting dark. Fall nights come so much faster than other times of the year. I was preparing to ride the lawnmower back towards the small shed next to the newer church where it was stored under the invisible protection of a camera, when I noticed a figure standing ten or so graves from me, peeking out from behind one of the larger stones. I paid no mind to it. Knowing how the previous caretaker guides people towards the fresh graves, one had just been filled in last week near where I was working, so I figured they were just waiting to be shown the way or something. When I hopped on the lawnmower and turned the lights on to illuminate my path through the stones, I saw figures, black as tar standing in my path, blocking the way. They seemed solid as my light could not cut through them. I slowly drove the lawnmower towards them, the light getting brighter, but never seeming to illuminate any detail in the shadow figures in my path. I drove a few feet from them and stopped, and simply asked, Can I come through? I am done for tonight. Slowly, a few stepped aside, leaving a space just large enough for the mower to pass through. I drove through. The figures lined up on either side of me. The headlights of the lawnmower swallowed up, leaving only a four-foot-wide, small tunnel of light for me to drive through. I could feel a darkness emanating from them. It wasn't a sad or a mourning feeling like I had seen and felt that night with the congregation and the lantern. It was more of an unwantedness. I wasn't welcome in this area, and was being told to never return. It created fear, sadness, and anger within me. After about 50 feet of having shadows stand on either side of me, assaulting me with the dark energies, I was left with an open row of gravestones in front of me. I began to speed up, scared that I may not make it the 250 feet or so left that I had to reach the main road. I had my throttle all the way up and my speed cranked full. You know that feeling whenever you're going to the car in the dark and open the door and try and lock the doors as quickly as you can once you get in because there's someone or something obviously coming up quickly behind you, but there's nothing there? Or whenever you go up the stairs after the lights have been turned off and you feel like something's chasing you up them? I had that feeling. I had that feeling. But I had just driven through 50 feet of shadows, things that I knew were behind me and that wanted to attack me. I was stuck at the max speed of the lawnmower and no faster. I could feel the darkness behind me and the oppressing force from the figures looming over me. Eventually I reached the main cemetery road and rode the couple dozen feet to the main entrance. Brick pillars marking the boundary of the cemetery. Once crossed, I would be safe. I knew it. I looked back, seeing nothing near me. No shadows, no tunnel, no darkness. As I came to the main road, I stopped, looking both ways before crossing. As I looked to my right, I saw a small shadow, one that had been peeking out before at me. It was child-sized and seemed to have an intrigued stance, with head cocked to the side, and it was letting itself be seen on purpose. I turned the throttle of the lawnmower down, still scared but curious. As the sound quieted, I saw a hand come up to where its face should have been, and I heard a giggle child's laugh. It slowly stood up and looked at me. I could feel its gaze striking me, and it said one sentence. They won't let you leave next time. And it ran away, a slight skip in its step as if it were happy or proud it could deliver this dreadful line to me as a lasting reminder to never go in the cemetery again after dark. And I never did. Support the show and get stories and content only available for patrons at patreon.com khp. The Keystone Horror Podcast is licensed under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives, 4.0 international license.